Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're coming to you from the future. Wow. Uh long story short, a lot of people are finding episode one of the AMP, which is dope. It's super exciting. Uh but episode one of the AMP, I think it's safe to say it was a little bit of a cobbled together mess. I don't think yeah. that's being unfair. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. You know, we uh, we definitely didn't know what we were doing back then, or at least not as well as we do today. Uh, in fact, I looked at the episode notes that I took for episodes one and two, and they were written down on uh, Saturday, December 15th, 2018. So yeah, way, way, way back in the day. And, uh, you know, I tried to take like a brief conversation that Adkins and I had about what anime we were going to cover uh, for this podcast. And we decided on My Hero and we recorded it to just get some practice in. And, you know, I kind of cut it up and sliced it together. And that's what episode one is. So it's not really a very good representation of us, right? Right. Especially because we didn't talk exclusively about My Hero that day. We had kicked around. No. We had also recorded content on um, One Piece. And then you had to kind of go through and chop up the bits that were my hero only because we were like, yeah, that that stuff seems like the direction that we're going to go. And thank God, probably. Um, <laughs> I guess One Piece is still, I don't know what the hell we were thinking uh, <laughs> when we decided that we might do One Piece instead. We never would have run out of content. That's that is true. That was the uh... <laughs> only pro that we could come up with for covering One Piece at the time. Not that we didn't enjoy it. It's just that we enjoyed my hero a lot more. We did. We did. Um, so... Episode one, we just felt like isn't quite representative of uh, the the product that we can produce now. Not not technologically, certainly not uh, interpersonally. Uh, I was brand new to podcasting. Episode one was the first episode of anything I'd ever been a part of, pretty much. Um, Adam was uh, a little bit more uh, experienced, a lot more experienced, um, if you're talking about just numbers of time uh, on a podcast. Oh, gosh, yeah, I guess I had already had like a full blown year, year and a half's worth of, of another podcast, and I had just launched a uh, podcasting network, which is you'll, which you'll hear us reference quite a bit throughout the upcoming episodes. However, it is probably a good time to go ahead and tell you that we are no longer part of Back Patio Network. So when you hear those ads for like the Patreon and stuff, you're not really going to be supporting us directly anymore, which is totally cool. If you enjoy their stuff, definitely do it. But it won't really be helping our show out directly. So we don't want you to think that you're going to subscribe to that and get anything extra that you might have in the past just because we're no longer affiliated. We, they don't host our stuff. Um, we They, they right. do host our Discord. So if you do click on the Discord link, that's a, a pinned tweet on our Twitter, it will take you to the Back Patio uh, Network's Discord, and you will then, um, we'll try to catch you in general chat and point you to the Almighty channel, which is where we hang out. And they're gracious enough to let us uh, continue to use that space, which is great. Yeah, but it's just important to know that if you go to Back Patio Network's site, you're not going to see us anymore. The only real site that we have directly, I guess, is our Captivate site, which is really just kind of where all of our stuff is hosted as far as like the uh, audio files and the RSS feed. But if you wanted to know that website for whatever reason, it's amp.captivate.fm. Yeah, and we I'm no longer associated with nerdsonearth.com, but I used that in my introduction because at the time I was trying to get our name out a little bit more. They're still a fine website. If you go to nerdsonearth.com, it still exists, and I think they still create content. Uh, but I am no, my face and bio and all the stuff that I wrote for them is still there. But I am not there anymore. Um, and and eventually, I don't know what episode it is wherein we discuss all this stuff. But eventually, we we cover all this in a little bit more detail. We just wanted to make it clear, especially on the Patreon side, we don't want you to think that you're giving the AMP any money by supporting the Back Patios Network. Um, 
on Patreon, which you can absolutely do if you enjoy their content. Um, we just don't want you to get upset that you were doing that, thinking that you were supporting us, and then find out 100 episodes into the AMP that we're you're not. Um, that would exactly. that would be a not so great thing. Uh, format wise, this is going to be. Uh, I thought we we had a good grasp of the format concept in episode one. We take two episodes of the anime and we discuss them. Uh, we settled better into that even as early as episode two it's really when we get into the coverage of season two of my hero uh, that 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 we really lean into and feel at home in that format uh so you'll get a better taste of that uh in this episode uh this this whole format was inspired by all systems goku um i turned adam onto that podcast because we're both big dragon ball fans um and it's just two dudes who knew a little bit about dragon ball and had, uh, Dragon Ball Z specifically, uh, and decided to sit down and watch it and talk about it. And we were like, that sounds like fun. Let's do that. Um, and My yeah. Hero was the material that we had a little bit of familiarity with. But for Gosh, the most I think part, at the time, we at least everyone had told us about it, right? Like I was seeing it everywhere. It had gotten so popular so quick. Yeah, but for the most part, we're just um, we're we're brand new. Like when we're watching episodes, we've not read the manga ahead or anything like that. So, it's it's uh, one of the phrases that will make an, a rather early appearance, I believe, in the podcast. Is that uh, it's a feature, not a bug, for us to mispronounce names, for us to get be totally wrong about things. It's accidental when we're right. <laughs> like, uh, we're going to be wrong a lot, but. Uh, the deeper we get into the anime, um, the more we have to talk about, the crunchier our episodes get, the more insightful and in-depth our commentary becomes. So hang in there. It gets it gets real good, if I might say so myself, he says as he pats himself on the back. <laughs> yeah, if we're uh, mispronouncing names, just try to ignore it and just realize that by, like, what, episode seven or eight, we're definitely a lot more in the groove. Yes. Um, we also, just in case, and, and before we jump into our re-coverage of episodes one and two of My Hero, we also have another podcast called Kyo Cinema, um, which is feels very similar to uh, what Adam and I produce for the AMP, only the source material is the Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball ZT, or ZT, GT, and Dragon <laughs> Ball Super movies. Um, we started with the earliest. We're just working through them chronologically. Um, that one's on a bit of a hiatus, but we're hoping to pick that up again real soon. Yes, very, very soon. And uh, with that, welcome to the Almighty Podcast. We're happy you're here. Why don't you say we uh, hop into episodes one and two, Atkins? Yes, episodes one and two of the My Hero Academia anime are, they they cover only one chapter of the My Hero Academia manga, which is unusual. Um, the Typically, an episode of the anime covers two chapters of the manga, but chapter number one uh, is double size. It's 56 pages. So that's oh, all the content cool. that we're covering in episodes one and two. And episode one is titled Izuka Midoriya Origin. And we pretty much pick immediately up by meeting uh, Midoriya, who is sticking up for this like kind of random little kid, and another individual named Bakugo with his buddies who are just beating up on Midoriya. And they're telling him that like, hey, you don't have a quirk, and because you don't have a quirk, you know, you're you're less than us. And Midoriya is wanting to stand up for this other child. And yeah, they weren't beating up on Midoriya; they were beating up on another kid. And right. Midoriya is standing up for him. 
And and you know, poor Midoriya gets all beat up because of it as well. We get this like poor little scene of him all bruised up and dusty and crying, and the other kids now like standing over top of him. And we kind of go into this explanation from Midoriya himself. He's like the narrator in these first two episodes. In fact, he's the narrator for a lot of these episodes, I suppose. Uh, but he he says, you know, when I was four, I learned that more kids have power than others, and it's you know something that pushes me to do better, and I want to be better because of this. And we see him like running through these beautiful cherry blossoms. I forgot how good the animation is in the first season. It is so incredible. Uh, but there, he's running through these cherry blossoms, and he sees this massive villain just towering over the city. And, and he uh, runs we kind of, towards it. Yeah, that, he's running like towards it. Oddity number one, he's running towards a rampaging villain uh, with gigantification. Although I will say that in the uh, uh, anime, no one else seemed to be running away. <laughs> and there was uh, like quite a crowd at the at ground zero, so to speak. Uh, yeah, because it well. looks like it's like near a tram station or something or a subway system. Potentially. It's at Tatooine Station. Um, it's the first of many Star Wars themed locations and other uh, other uh, miscellaneous Easter egg type titled things in My Hero. Yeah, and then we go right into our first intro, which is super great. Did you rewatch the intros at all? Did you try to relive those, or did you still ignore them? You're talking about, like, the episode introductions with yeah. the music and all that? Nah, yeah. man. Uh, Although I will say that the first, this this first opening song is one that I very much associate with the anime, more so than even, the, like, the last couple. Of, I'm just, I'm so glad it's not, whoa, whoa, it's all right. Um, <laughs> that much I can be confident of uh, this early on. <laughs> well, after the intro, we get kind of an introduction to the world of My Hero Academia, and it explained that a handful of decades ago, the first child that had a quirk was born, and this child just radiated light. And after that, people started getting quirks all across the world, and it became super normal. In fact, they basically just turned into what you would consider almost like a comic book society. Roughly 80% of people have these uncanny abilities that turn them really into superheroes or allow them to be supervillains. Some of them, though, just have these kind of mundane quirks that really aren't that great. Or maybe they look a little different, like they could be lizardy or potentially like a bug-like creature. Yeah, so not every quirk is great, um, is what we find out in uh, in the main anime series and also in the spinoff manga series, Vigilantes. Uh, but we do end up back with uh, the gentleman, or the villain, I guess would be the more appropriate designation for him, has gigantification um and Midoriya continues to explain that it was an age of heroes and this giant guy just swats a tower and sends it tumbling to the ground and it's intercepted before it lands on anybody by a hero that goes by one of the most awesome names in all of my hero <laughs> dude's name is just death arms and it's dope death arms Man, I can't believe that they like let heroes have names like that. That sounds villainous to me. Death Arms? It does a bit. <laughs> and then we also get our first introduction to Backdraft here, who's just like like a living fire hydrant guy. He's um, so cool looking. Yeah. And he's just cordoning off the area with water instead of do not cross like police tape, which was a pretty cool a little quirk. I mean, he's, just, he's a waterbender is what he is, basically. Yeah. It's like a, a living water hose that can bend water. I just I wish that he had had a little puppy dog. Yeah, yeah, where's his Dalmatian or, companion? Right, what about a person with a quirk that has a Dalmatian quirk? That would have been even cooler. That they, would they feel out. extremely exploitative. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sansa the cat is bad enough. If if Backdraft was like, listen, I just need you there for the aesthetic, that would be, that would feel awful. <laughs> it could, what if it was like the mascot, you know, like a team mascot? Yeah, it it doesn't feel right. Uh, it just right. doesn't it feel doesn't. right. Uh, we've... Yeah, we find out that this villain 
just stole some dude, some person's bag and then got cornered. And that's why he got large and started wrecking things. Um, in fact, I have uh, a pun. Are you ready for the pun? Oh, no. You hate puns. I do. But you're always the one that brings them to the table. But they just come to me. It's an unfortunate, <laughs> it's, it's an unfortunate reality. All right. But uh, I, says that, uh, I said that the villain stole someone's bag and got cornered. One might say that he grew desperate. Oh um, <laughs> Kamui Woods, though. I was say, speaking of growing, we've got Kamui Woods, who is uh, like a woodbender. Yeah, I have him as like a twig blight from D and D, and I still don't know if he has an actual acorn for a head or if it's a helmet. I think it's a helmet. It's got to be a helmet. I think that's got to be his costume. He kind of reminds me of one of the uh, uh, Shippuden leaders in the second big Naruto thing. I can't remember what his name is. It Yamato. Maybe. It's been a while I, since watched it. It's been a while. Then. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, Kamui runs in and he attempts to use one of his uh, special quirks, like one of his superpowered moves that I believe is called the Lacquered Chain. Is that right? And, uh, uh, yeah, so this is kind of silly. There's some really funny like dialogue before he gets to the preemptive finding lack of Lacquered Chain prison. Because uh, he, he, he looks over and he says, oh, where's, where do I have this in my notes? Oh, he rattles off all these crimes to the gigantify villain including exacerbating rush hour traffic and I, and then he's like you're the incarnation of evil <laughs> i get so <laughs> serious i was like what uh man there's definitely more evil in this world than somebody who causes rush hour traffic to be a little worse but i don't know i think i would feel differently if i was actually caught in that rush hour traffic that was being made worse yeah, I feel like there's some guy there that's like calling into the office like, yeah, I don't know. There's another villain here. I have no idea what I'm going to be in. So just go on without me. Like everyone around them just seems like this is such an everyday occurrence. Yeah, but Kamui Woods just that that particular line just felt so over the top. It made me think that like that's just a thing that he says to every villain to try to like <laughs> intimidate them a little bit. Sure. Or, yeah. Or to like uh like persuade himself that whatever he's about to do is justified. I'm going to do this thing because he's the incarnation of evil, not just like, <laughs> yeah, you broke a couple of laws, you know? <laughs> right, right. Well, right before he gets off his lacquered chain prison, we have another introduction to a mountainous lady named Mount Lady who interrupts his power move by just like completely sidelining this villain into the, the like city. And she's massive. She's standing, what, three, four towers or uh, four What's the word I want to use? Not towers. Stories? Stories. Thank you. God, just leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> there, she's she's standing like three or four stories uh, tall, and she's absolutely just standing over the entire city. And all of these like photographers, there's a funny shot here where they're just taking pictures of her. And it just says, money shots, money shots, money yeah. shots. You know, she, did you? So I, so you telling me that means that you watched it in English, right? I did. I did. Yes, because that is one thing you will find in these episodes. I often watch them in English and Adkins often watches them, as he says, the way God intended. That's right. In the Japanese. And so in the English, they say money shot. Uh, they don't say that in the Japanese. But in the English, Mount Lady doesn't say pleasure to make your ass acquaintance either, which is what she says in Japanese, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, uh, but in the English, she does say you don't have to worry about this bum anymore yeah yeah posing so yeah it's it's just it's definitely more tame um as acquaintance wasn't in the manga either i was a little shocked by that um it's just in there and it gets totally ignored by the english uh translations of both the manga and the anime how interesting I, that's one thing i will say that i love that you do is as you read the anime along a lot of these episodes you actually kind of point out a lot of the differences so if you don't read the anime uh, or if you don't read the manga you're going to get some uh, really good info out there 
yeah, Kamui remarks that Mount Lady is getting all the credit because she's still standing there. Uh, he's still standing there, rather, with a partially deployed alt. <laughs> and he's just moping <laughs> in the background. It's great. So the whole time that this is occurring, we have Midoriya off to the side, standing in the crowd, and he's just like furiously taking notes on Mount Lady and what Kamui Woods was doing. And there's kind of this guy with like a fish quirk. He's he's got sort of a fish face. Turns to him and is That's like, "That's how ah. you interpreted that." Yeah, how did you interpret that? I don't. I just put that he had like weird star shapes sticking off of his face. I did not think fish at all. Oh yeah, I definitely thought fishy. Like I the coral reef fish. I don't know, ocean boy. Huh, Something like interesting. that. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm looking at it again right now. Never once did I have the word fish come through my mind. I just have like weird star-faced man. I didn't know what to call his quirk. I have fish guy in both my original notes and my new notes. So Oh, really? <laughs> but back then, <laughs> I guess I thought consistent. the same thing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, he calls Midoriya a fanboy, and he kind of groans about it, too. Like, ugh, a fanboy. So it's very clearly being set up that, like, the kids in this world obviously are worshipping these heroes. And Midoriya kind of goes into this short description about how back in the day, while the government was trying to figure out how to, like, implement laws with quirks there were people that just stood up and started being heroes because obviously they were villains and when that started happening they kind of just fell in line and ended up working directly for the government so there are all of these heroes that have basically just careers that completely depend on staying in the limelight in their hero form mm. and they have these agencies that basically work for these government agencies and those agencies keep them employed so there's like this whole structure to the hero world that we're kind of getting laid out it, it continues to get more interesting yeah he says that they uh the peacekeepers were overseen by the government and that those who performed the best were paid the most and got fame and glory so their careers depended on their abilities to be in that spotlight and uh without getting into spoiler territories that comes up a, quite a bit uh and and actually pretty recently as early as season two um that that particular element of uh, a hero society, especially with pro heroes, uh, is addressed in some very interesting ways. But we, we catch up with uh, Midori as he's quickly scratching down all these notes on Mount Lady. And he's, he's like, gigantification, huh? She's got the looks and attitude to be a real crowd favorite. And her quirk is really showy, but it'll be hard for her to get around much without damaging lots of things. So she might not be very useful. I think, uh, I can't remember if it's here or a little bit later on, we find out that like her biggest weakness is single lane roads. It's <laughs> the second episode, <laughs> she's just yeah. like, oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, she's just totally sidelined if because she can't walk where there aren't two lanes. We, we sort of uh, catch up with Midoriya in class. He's in his third year room and the teacher is talking to all of them about their futures. And he's like, I could give you some kind of a test, but oh, heck with it. Everyone wants to go to the hero track. And of course, everyone's like ex exhibiting their powers or their quirks. And they've all got some interesting ones. Did you write down any of them or pay any attention to them? You know, I did. I feel like I saw there was one guy that had like super long like fingers like he could and he was yep. just like clicking them. Like, there were a bunch of goofy ones. Uh, outside of, like, Bakugos, I don't think there was anything that really stood out. Yeah, Longfingers is one of the guys who ends up uh, kind of pounding around with Bakugo a little bit later. But you have a guy that has rock hands, somebody that has pointy hair, somebody else that has flowy hair, somebody that just has a horn, some little girl in, like, bottom right that has telekinesis. You got fire, wind, light, the ability to swell a throat like a toad for some reason. The ability to just pull eyeballs out of your head was also on display. Uh, somebody had power over water. There's some dude with a stretchy neck, somebody with just a long nose, which I hope was a quirk and not just like an unfortunate <laughs> reality for that poor child. Um, but he seemed excited. Like the only person that's sitting around bummed is Midoriya. And then 
the only other person that isn't really putting a quirk on display in that scene is Bakugo because he's too cool to do that, of course. There's another guy whose face is just some sort of pointed wooden object that I could not make out in the anime or the manga. It was the weirdest thing. I could not figure out what his head was supposed to be. It's Kamui's son. I Well, you would think that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of get like our official introduction to Bakugo, who basically says he's the real deal. Everyone else in this entire room is going to be a sidekick for some D-lister. Uh, I mean, this is his personality. He thinks that he is tougher than tough. He thinks he's the best in the class. Nobody can compare to him. And he explains that he's going to be going, or at least applying, to UA, who is basically like the Harvard of these you know, quirk training schools. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. I mean, there we do find out later that there are other schools. They tend to be regional, um, but UA is like the local and and arguably the biggest, most most well-known, most prestigious, I guess. It has a 0.2% acceptance rate. Right. Um, and so a lot of the students believe that it's just impossible to get into. But Bakugo's response is, that's exactly why it's the only place worthy of me. And he like... He jumps on top of this desk and he's like, I aced all the mock tests and I'm the only one at this school who stands a chance of getting in. I'll end up more popular than All Might himself and be the richest hero of all time. Uh, and I, I just had in my notes from the first time we covered episodes one and two that he's making friends quickly at school by just calling them all extras. Um, he's he's definitely, uh, he, he's, he's, not, uh, he's not exactly a people pleaser, like right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, no joke. Uh, and at this point, the poor teacher, like, obviously this guy, either this guy's doesn't mean know he's or he's clueless. I don't yeah. know which. But he's like, oh, yeah, Midoriya, don't you want to go to UA too? And, of course, Baka goes immediately down his throat. And Midoriya's, like, over in the corner, kind of, like, twiddling his thumbs. Like, well, they got, you know, rid of the rule about no quirks, so I could be the first one. And Bakugo immediately smashes the table. He sets it on fire. And Midoriya's trying to explain to him, like, I don't want to compete against you. It's just, like, I deserve to try hard, too. Like, I want to try my hardest, and I want to be a hero as well. And Bakugo just goes into his tirade about how Midoriya is just not worth it. He doesn't stand a chance. In fact, he says he's going to die in the entrance exams. There's no way he could even get in. Yeah, he even makes it about their current school's pride. He's like, this school is already crappy. Do you really want to embarrass it further by failing so hard? I mean, he's just giving Midoriya uh, just a mouthful, an earful of just absolute heaping garbage on him. And it's not the last that he's going to do that in these two episodes either. No, it's not. Uh, but we transition to another villain, this like massive sludge monster. I don't think he ever actually gets named in either of these episodes. Uh, and basically, he stole some cash. He's on the run. And as he is like running away, all these people are freaking out, like just saying they need help. And luckily enough, we get to meet All Might, who is walking out of this grocery store. And he like beefs up to saves the day and just screams, I am here. Did you notice that there's a lady in a bubble, like right when the sludge villain walks out of the store with the cash just like stuck onto his body? No, I don't think I caught that. I think it's just it's probably her quirk because it doesn't the aesthetic doesn't match up with the slime man's. Uh, but yeah, there's just a lady in a bubble like outside of the store. I think she just like reflexively it's a, a defensive um, looking quirk that she just encapsulated herself, which is pretty handy huh. if if just street thug villain is using his quirk uh, yeah. to rob stores and stuff. Unless they're pointy, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the 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 uh, the classic, uh, you know, scissors to paper matchup for a bubble is just anything pointy, really. <laughs> well, I've, I've got to ask you, this was about the point in my rewatch of these episodes where I'd noticed that a lot of the voices feel like they haven't really settled into like their role yet, if that makes sense. Like 
I feel like I could hear a stark difference in All Might's voice and even Midoriya's, and I didn't catch it until hearing All Might say, I am here. Like, it's just so iconic that I expected to hear it in a certain pitch. You know what I mean? It was cool, too, that, like, the the crowd were... We, we hear a lot from the crowds in these first two episodes. Um, they're, they're vehicles for what does society, what do they think when all this stuff is going on? So they're they're being kind of casual. They're not all freaking out and running away from this guy. They're just like, where are the heroes? Normally someone would just be here. Yeah. So maybe they're still busy from the scene this morning. So it feels all very like ho-hum criminal activity with uh, with quirks. Um, and uh, Jinko Jeans All Might is what we end up calling him. And he exits the stores. Or he exits the store, but then he kind of swoles up behind the crowd is the best way to describe it. Uh, which is really cool. Like nobody is paying him any mind. And so he's able to kind of do the Clark Kent Superman transformation outside of a phone booth. Um, right. So he just kind of pops into the, the, the swole might uh, and is able to uh, respond to this. And so school is like getting out in Japan. Um, I think it was like three 30, which I, I, that feels like what time school gets out here. I meant to look up if that's like accurate in Japan. Uh, there's some mention of karaoke amongst the students, which is big in J- Japan for sure. Um, Midoriya is doom scrolling through some headlines about that morning's fight and he retrieves his notebook, but Bakugo is there and like everybody has exited the class. Bakugo and two of his cronies come back in. Uh, so they like leave and then they come back in and Bakugo snatches it and he's still furious about Deku having the gall to, uh, even, even think about applying at UA. And so he's like, I don't know what you're doing, Deku, but we're not done here. And he grabs the hero analysis for the future number 13, and he just chars it a bit and throws it out the window. And this is the first of two times I remember when we watched this for the first time, this three plus years ago now, that uh, I was like, man, this guy, he talks this big game, but the two times that we see him using his quirk, they're not impressive. Like he singes a little bit of paper. And then, like, he makes the shoulder of Midoriya's uniform smoke a little bit in a second. And I was like, if you're going to intimidate somebody with a quirk as powerful as yours claims to be, there's like, why wouldn't you just turn that entire notebook to ash instead of just, like, charring it a little bit and then throwing it into a koi pond? You know what I mean? I wonder if it's just him realizing that he has a limit on how much control he can do. Like, he probably doesn't think he could char that notebook without also letting that get out of control. And he wouldn't want to appear weak because of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I thought my other justification would have been something along the lines of um, he was showing restraint by just just by being restrained. He's he's doing what he thinks he needs to do for the aesthetics of who yeah. he wants to be in the class without actually he does like damage school property at some point, which is like, why didn't the school take any actions against that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, because he did burn up that desk earlier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then this next part here is uh, something that, like, I think immediately sets the tone for Bakugo for a lot of folks. And he he basically tells, you know, Midoriya that there are some people that are heroes, that are just destined to be heroes from early on, that they, that other folks see greatness in them. And Bakugo knows that he's one of them. And he tells him, like, look, don't even bother applying or else. Poor Midoriya doesn't really put up a fight at all he's just standing there like taking this abuse from bakugo and bakugo tells him hey like if you want to have a, a quirk or if you want to have a chance maybe you should pray to have a quirk in this next life and then just take a swan dive off the building uh, i remember <sighs> being so grossed out by that line me too it's still bad i just have in my notes it's a sick buddhist burn 
but it's also extremely aggressive. Yeah, it really is. And this this actually does get a pretty big response from Midoriya. He gets really, really upset about it, but there's just nothing he can do. I mean, Bakugo has got the ability to basically catch him on fire and so he you know he has nothing to retaliate with and he just says man you really shouldn't tell people to kill themselves and like i think that's a, a great way to address that comment you know it's like the retaliation is not even worth it like you shouldn't say stuff like that yeah he's kind of talking to himself because yeah uh, this is after the scene he says you can't go around telling people to kill themselves what if i really jumped what would he do then right uh and he retrieves his notebook which he says has just been turned into fish food he says my dreams have turned into fish food and uh, we get this flashback to Midoriya asking his mom to hurry up for some computer time. And uh, she uh, she explains that he's pretty sure or she's pretty sure that he's added like 10,000 views to this video that he's watching all by himself. And he's got all my posters up on his wall, which really, really sets up young Midoriya's like idol worship, like literal idol worship in some in some cases of all Might. just how much esteem um he has for this superhero absolutely and we we kind of exposed to this video this disaster footage which apparently is from a long time ago and it's basically all mine's debut and i mean it is an absolute disaster looking it's almost like some sort of massive area has been totally destroyed everything's on fire there's like a bus that's like sinking into the ground and people are like who is this guy he's already saved over a hundred people and it's not even been 10 minutes and we get this incredible, incredible view of him like laughing and just having this huge smile emerging from this like wreckage. He's got about 10 to 12 people around him, like carrying them under his arms, over his shoulder, on his head. It's nuts. And he just says, don't worry, citizens, hope has arrived because I am here. And Midoriya is just losing his mind. I mean, this is clearly who he wants to be. And he says that he's like, I'm going to be just like him. And immediately, like, cue doctor telling poor Midoriya, all yeah. right, something's it's not like okay. It's a hard cut. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard cut. Sorry, kid, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he basically, this doctor explains that Midoriya really should have already developed powers at his age. Most kids have already developed theirs if they're going to get them. And he asks about his family's quirk usage or their, their quirk types. And Midoriya's mother, uh, is it Inca? Inko. Inko. Uh, so Inko explains that she can basically make small objects float towards her and her husband breathes fire. Uh, so already not the strongest of quirks, you could say. Although breathing fire sounds like it could be strong unless he's not fire resistant. Yeah, which is a thing. <laughs> like without spoiling anything. Uh, but yeah, they. I love how Inko asks the doctor, do you really think there's something wrong? Like even that phrasing is is very heavy. Uh, and the doctor's like, well, Izuku should have manifested one or a combo of both of your quirks, but after viewing his x-rays, I don't think he's going to, because there's a linkage between the bones in a person's foot, specifically their pinky toe, and their likelihood of developing a quirk. So people with powers only have one joint in their pinky toes, and the explanation is basically like, that's the, that's the next step in human evolution, because that toe doesn't need two joints, and so more highly evolved humans have uh, evolved down, like basically cold, unnecessary joints in that toe. It's a more streamlined version of the human form, I think is how he dis how he uh, like describes it. It's and so, so Izuku weird, has though. two is what he says. So it's safe to say he isn't going to develop a quirk. And it is weird, but I, I will say that listening, this is the first time I've watched episodes one and two, literally since we covered it the first time. I, I don't, I'm not much one for like rewatching things, except for Hero 2, spoiler alerts. Um, but uh, I, I, this explanation is better than I thought that it was. Like um, back in the day, 
I thought that it was weaker, and and I don't remember specifically that detail about it being like an evolution. Yeah, I just feel like if the body was to evolve, getting rid of a pinky toe joint wouldn't be what it does. And it seems weird that a quirk would express it itself that way. I mean, I know it's not directly correlated that, that right. there's, you know, like, it's not like, oh, you're missing a joint, you get an awesome quirk, but it just seems kind of funky. It, it made me wonder if the people that kind of have the, like, morphed bodies uh, have different bone structures entirely and that's something i think that like in general is an interesting thought you know we saw that guy earlier with the this kind of star face was he born that way like the child that could emit light or did he all of a sudden turn four and just grow like a fish face you know (laughs) yeah i wondered that too um i had that in in one version of my notes is it that people started spontaneously uh manifesting quirks or were they all born with them because the there are instances in the canon of people who manifest their quirks at birth or much younger than uh, what is considered to be normal, like three, four years old or whatever age Midoriya is at this time. But I think that the the toe explanation is, it's better than I thought it was. It's still funky, like uh, because the two, because a single toe joint and quirk are so closely correlated like if that's the next step in evolution, why would it be not just one or the other? Right. Right. <laughs> like why is it both of those things happened at the same time? That's super weird. Um, but it could also be that the science just—I think he even gives a little bit of wiggle room in his description that it's like there's a the likelihood of developing. So, like the numbers say that ninety-five percent of people that have a quirk will also only have the one. So maybe there is a small percentage of you know, double pinky toe jointed people that do have a quirk because he doesn't definitively say a hundred percent. This is the correlation. Right. Yeah, that's right. We see Midoriya watching the computer team again, which means I guess he got more computer time that night or later on. Uh, and, uh, there's all Might poster still up, but he's no longer clutching the doll. In fact, he, he's been clutching this all Might doll for all, most of the scenes that we've seen him in as a child, including in the doctor's office. But when he was told that he wasn't going to have a quirk in all likelihood, he drops it and he's no longer clutching that doll. It's like it's near him, but it's, he's not holding it as he's watching this, uh, this video as he was the first time we see him watching it. Uh, and he's talking to his mom and he says, see that mom, there's always a smile on his face, no matter how bad things get, even when things seem impossible, he never gives up and he swivels in his chair and he's crying, but he's also smiling. Um, he's trying to do the thing yeah. that he just said all might does. Uh, and this causes Inko to cry. And he asks her this question. Do you think I can be a hero too? And I just have in my notes, I think that'll be the a title of a, a bop of a song in a few seasons. Um, <laughs> But Inko says, I'm sorry, I wish things were different. And Midoriya's kind of his voiceover is just saying, that's not what I needed you to say. You know, my world was crumbling. There's only one thing I needed to hear. And I'm sorry, I wish things were different, which is implying that the answer to his question is no, uh, is what she delivers. So we pick up back in our current time and he is walking through some tunnels. He's basically just like practicing his All Might laugh when kind of out of nowhere, this sludge monster appears up from the sewer and he jumps Midoriya and immediately starts trying to force himself into his mouth. And No, it's not that kind of animal. That's that's my line. I had that in my notes too. (laughs) I said he's forcing himself down Midoriya's throat, but it's not that kind of anime. (laughs) 
Uh, you stole my thunder. I, tried to I was steal gonna it. sneak it in. You could just edit it out. <laughs> nah, it's fine. Did you notice too? I thought this was a cool like detail that I pro- I'm 100 sure I missed on first viewing that the uh, the underpass or the little tunnel that he's walking through is three meters tall, but it still has a watch your head sign on it because no. pe- like people with quirks can be really tall these days. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, three, I didn't even catch that. Three meters. That's like nine feet plus. And there's still a watch your head sign, and I thought that was cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, as he is being attacked, Midoriya just cannot escape. There's like literally nothing he can do about this because basically the sludge monster's body is just totally made of fluid. He's all encompassing, and and you know he's he's freaking out because he didn't know All Might was here in the city, and like the sludge monster's like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here fast because there's <sighs> no way I want him dealing with me. I love what he says too. He says, "You're a real hero to me, kid." Yeah, I was like, "Dang, jeez, that's, that's a stinger of a line, that's a burn." Uh, well, as he is uh, trying to take over Midoriya's body, All Might actually does approach, and uh, he dodges like this tentacle hand. It is incredible. Like within just a couple of seconds, he uppercuts this sludge monster with a Texas smash, totally destabilizing like the sludge monster's molecules or something. He's just gone everywhere. Poor Midoriya passes out, and shortly afterwards, All Might wakes him up. And he's like, oh, wow, I'm really, really sorry that happened. Like, that was, uh, you know, something that never should have taken place. I can't believe that that uh, villain, you know, got got past me or whatever. Uh, but I've got him captured now. And he shows him, like, in this little two-liter bottle. And Midoriya's yeah. just, like, losing his mind. Like, All Might's literally standing right there in front of him. He's not even thinking about the sludge monster at this point. Yeah, he's like, he looks so much cooler in person. I got to get an autograph. And then he's like, please sign my notebook. But he finds out that All Might already did. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, this will be a family heirloom, something that will pass down for generations to come. And uh, All Might goes to leave. Uh, he's like, pro heroes are constantly fighting time as well as enemies. But Midoriya's like, I still have so many questions. And All Might's just like, stand back, young man. I'm taking off. And he said, thanks for your continued support. And he leaps. Uh, and Midoriya still just manages to run up and and grab a hold of like uh his pants at the knee so he's just holding on for dear life like uh i i uh eyelids and and cheeks flapping in the wind exposing eyeballs and teeth kind of thing and uh at first all might's trying to push or shake him off in midair telling him to like let go <laughs> yeah well, uh Midoriya's like i can't i would die <laughs> yeah yeah if i let go now i'll die so he's like oh uh yeah good catch you know uh, <laughs> so uh he he tells him to just close his eyes and mouth uh and he begins already to cough up a little bit of blood uh and he curses in the japanese he says he says he says a swears word he said a swearsy uh, in the english too and oh, then what yeah, and then he, like, crashes into the roof. Like, I don't think he full-on landed. I feel like it had to have been a small crash there, especially, like, after coughing and everything. And you can clearly tell All Might's, like, trying to ditch Midoriya, but Midoriya just won't give up. And he's reaching out, and he's saying, like, I have to know, as he's remembering all of these people telling him he can't be a hero. And he tells himself he's never going to give up. And he asks All Might if he can become the hero that he wants to without having a quirk. Could he ever hope to be someone like him? And the episode ends right there. I remember in uh, in my first run of the notes three plus years ago that I said that the really the show could go with yes or no at this point. Like, yes, you can be a, a hero and there's hope for Midoriya or no, you can't. And it and it's becomes a challenge for him to overcome over the course of the anime. Um but then we get into season two or episode two, which is called what it takes to be a hero. Yeah. And we basically get like a pretty good recap of everything that sort of happened in episode one. They do a lot of that in these episodes where the first two to five ish minutes will actually just be a recap of the previous episode sometimes. Or, you know, like 10, whatever. 
So we basically catch right back up with uh, Midoriya asking All Might his question, and All Might like begins to answer, but he starts smoking from his body and just doubles over. And while he's doing that, Midoriya's not even paying attention. He's just explaining that he wants to just be like All Might. And then as he's like kind of starting to check back in with reality, he sees what I like to call a small mite. Uh, he's like all bent over and just totally, I mean, a shrivel of a human that we saw just a few minutes ago. Yeah, this is who we refer to as Jinko Jeans All Might, and I think yeah. we call his buff form like either Pidgeot or Pidgeotto. I can't remember which one has the wild like feathers coming straight up and back, kind of like All Might's right. um, trademark hair. And I, I had in my notes from the first pass, I was like, "Is this how Midoriya is going to get into UA? Is he just going to blackmail his way in? Like, <laughs> hey, buddy, you better get me a <laughs> you know a desk in one of these classes, or I'm going to tell everybody that you turn into this shriveled excuse of a hero." Well, we transition back over to the sludge monster who is in a Coke bottle, like waking up, trying to figure out where he's at, what's going on. And Bakugo and his two buddies are walking by and his friends are like, dude, you were pretty mean to uh, Midoriya earlier. Like, you probably shouldn't have done that. It's pretty messed up. And he's like, they, they even ask him, like, weren't you guys friends at some point? And Bakugo just immediately blames Midoriya. And is like, I ah, should have just stayed out of his way or he should have just stayed out of my way. And then he kicks this like two liter bottle with the sludge monster in it, freeing him. Yeah, it's interesting, too, that Bakugo says um, he should have, Midoriya or Deku, as he refers to him as, should have stayed out of my way. Because Midoriya is not in Bakugo's way at all. He even verbally says, I'm not competing with you. And Bakugo keeps having to circle back around to have these encounters with Midoriya. He's putting Midoriya in his way. Uh, in more ways than one, I would argue. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he does. He kicks the bottle. He sets the villain free. Um, and I just had in my notes, I'm pretty sure I've seen octopi work their way out of bottles. So like, what was the sludge dudes? Like, how was this a handicap for him? <laughs> um, but Bakugo continues on his little diatribe. He's like, he's an idiot dreaming like a kid. Just watching him pisses me off. And they're like, let's go to the arcade. And Bakugo has a weird line here. He says, yeah, there's lots of prey there. I was like, like what? He's just a, he's a total bully. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't want to get caught and have anything go on his school record. But the sludge monster is rolling up behind and he says, ooh, an invisible cloak because he's going to invade Bakugo's body and kind of wear him. It, like, I guess, like he was trying to do with Midoriya earlier. It's like the uh, uh, alien in Men in Black. Yeah. But th this invisible cloak comes with a great quirk. So he's super excited. Totally. Um, but we cut back to Midoriya. And who, who just yells at, at at All Might that you're deflating as if, like, he wouldn't have realized that on his own. <laughs> yeah, in fact, Midori even thinks he's an imposter for just a few moments. And All Might's just standing there, like, leaking blood from his mouth. And he's like, listen, kid, you know all the dudes at the pool that are just sucking in all the time? Well, that's basically me. It's like, it is such a just depressed sound. Like, he's just bummed to be who he has become. And he explains that, you know, even though I'm smiling all the time, there's a lot of fear behind this smile. And he's counting on Maduria. Maduria. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he explains that he's counting on Midoriya to just keep his mouth shut. And he, like, opens up his, uh, his shirt, and you can see this very damaged body. And he's explaining that he got it in a big fight. And basically his like entire respiratory system has been destroyed and he's lost most of his stomach. So because of this, he can really only do work for about three hours a day. And it's kind of impressive. Midoriya actually questions him like, oh, it had to have been Toxic Chainsaw. Like that was the got to be that fight. And, uh, you know, All Might says, no, it actually wasn't that one. There's a whole other fight that happened that I really did everything I could to keep the world from knowing about. 
that was the fight that this took place in. And he doesn't really go into it any more than that. Uh, but he says he has a perception to keep up. He says he smiles to hide that fear inside. He says it's a brave face to put on when the pressure is high. Pro heroes are always risking their lives. And this is where he tells Midoriya that he cannot be a hero without a quirk. He says there's plenty of ways to help people. Like, just go be a police officer. That's plenty enough. He says it's not bad to have a dream. You just need to make sure your dreams are obtainable and realistic. Just totally shooting Midoriya down. Yeah, I mean, there's some nobility to him saying that first responders are heroes too. But in a society where there is a tier above that, it's insufficient. You know, it, it's not what Midori wanted to hear. He is desperate in, in these episodes to have somebody, his mom, now all might say, yes, you can be a hero even if you don't have a quirk. But he gets it from neither one of those sources. So the the two people that he holds in the highest regard in his life, his mom and uh, this, this superhero, have both told him no. I mean, how devastating that must be to uh, a person at his his stage in life with the questions looming over him that uh, that are there currently. I mean, it's... It's tough. Um, and this is where All Might just takes the stairs because he's in his Jinko jeans form. And while he's going down the stairs, he realizes that the villain is gone, which is probably for the best, right? Because, like, imagine if the villain were still in his pockets at this point and overheard all that noise about All Might can only be a hero for three hours a day. Yeah, and, yeah like, I hadn't considered that. leaks that information. <laughs> yeah, because you got to know, like, in a world like this, these villains have got to be escaping all the time. Like... I would, I would guess. I mean, you think it's got to be like Gotham City where there's some sort of rehabilitation center and they're just always breaking out? Yeah, it's one of those instances where, like, if the villain had been there, All Might would have had to kill him <laughs> to right? keep him quiet. Yeah, or, or someone would have, yeah. Yeah, man, that's interesting. You think they have, like, a, uh, like an X-Force, like the mutants do? Yeah, it, it's just one of those situations where it's like, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Yeah. But... Uh, but he didn't lead with that. Instead, it's just like, ah, crap, you heard that, didn't you? <laughs> well, we can't have this getting out, you know? Um, but he, Midoriya sees some smoke rising in the distance, um, and he wonders what hero will get to the scene. And he starts running in that direction, but he slows down to a walk after reflecting on what All Might said. Yeah. Uh, and that, that that hit me different uh, this time through. Me too. Like where he, you know, where he was just like, oh, yeah, another villain. And he starts moving in that direction, presumably to take notes and and to kind of be close to the scenes that have always drawn him in, even even as we saw in the last episode. But he stops and he, he comes to a walk. And in that moment, you you think ah, he's not even going to go and investigate. Um, but we do find out. And he's, he's actually a little surprised he ends up on that scene, um, almost as if he subconsciously made his way in that direction. But, yeah, when he was just like, when that excitement after reflection um, was robbed or or snuffed out. I was like, dang, yeah. like that that just hit differently this time. Serious feels, dude, for sure. Uh, well, All Might is definitely headed toward the scene. He can. I don't know that he assumes that it's the Sludge Monster, although we find out that it is. Uh, back in Tatooine ship uh, shopping district, which is wild. Like, why would you go back there? I don't know. Regardless, uh, there's this whole like store slash alleyway that's totally on fire. Everything is just burning down around them, and the Sludge Monster is attempting to consume Bakugo. Death Arms is like losing his mind. He's furious. He's trying to rush in. He starts punching the sludge monster, the sludge villain, but nothing works. It's all absorbed and he's cast back. And then the other hero and then the other heroes kind of just agree that there's not a whole lot that they can do. You know, Backdraft is trying to like get the flames put out. Mount Lady shows up, but she's not able to make it in. Kamui Woods doesn't really do well in the fire. So they're kind of all just agreeing. Like, we're gonna have to stand around and wait until someone else with the right quirk shows up. 
but Bakugo is not, you know, letting down. He's definitely not going to let this guy into him at all. Uh, he's resisting, and flames are literally going everywhere. Like, he's just exploding anything he can in order to try to escape. In fact, this is where the villain is like, I just shocked with how much power Bakugo actually has. And he's like, I cannot wait to get my hands on this quirk. And uh, this is where Mount Lady says she can't get in because she's too tight. And it's 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 just it's rough, you know. They're in a really really nasty situation, and I kind of had this thought: Do you think that that people with quirks need to have some sort of like insurance to cover this situation? Like, is there like villain insurance in this world? Because Baka goes burning down half the town here. Yeah, I think that we talked about that at some point. Now, I don't know if. Uh, you know, a miner like Bakugo would necessarily have that kind of insurance. I but I think that there are, I think it's, I think there's like the damage control equivalent, you know, from like Marvel. Yeah. Um, who's just mank and bank because quirked villains are a thing and property damage is assured. Uh, even with the heroes. I mean, oh, I mean, like, Mount Lady <laughs> took out like what? At least a, a building earlier, at least a, yeah. destroyed a road, right? Yeah. Mount Lady kicked the, the gigantified villain into another building <laughs> like that wasn't the villain's fault yeah yeah it's got to be like baked into taxes or something these poor folks <laughs> man yeah we're upset about the gas tax around where i live <laughs> could you imagine like uh having to clean up after villain tax? Jeez. Yeah. no joke there'd be people all kinds of pissed off <laughs> uh it's it's cool though because midoriya does find his way over uh in that area and he's he's like looking over his notebook uh, and he's got some notes on Kamui and his his notes on Mount Lady are really, really funny. It's like huge, sexy, gigantification, 20 <laughs> meters. Like <laughs> It's just funny. Um, but he's he's reflecting again on what All Might said. He says, even a top pro hero said it. You, you didn't. He's and he's talking to himself. He says, you knew, didn't you, the reality? And that's why you were trying so desperately, uh, like averting your eyes from the reality um, but he just so happens to find himself at the scene and he's like, does that mean I came out of habit without noticing, which is maybe the first hint at the kind of the, the pivot point of this episode about body moving, um, without thinking like maybe he was drawn here for sure. Um, but he recognizes the sludge villain and he feels at fault. Like he starts beating himself up immediately before he even knows Bakugo is the one that's held being held captive. Um, he feels at fault that it got away. And so, um, He's he doesn't know who's caught yet, but he's like, how can they bear that suffocate suffocation? I thought I'd die after a few seconds. Um, then rumors of all might being in town start to spread through the crowd. Uh, yeah, and the folks are like even questioning the heroes, like mentioning like this poor kid and everything, you know, like they're, yeah. they're just like, why? Like, how come the heroes aren't doing anything? Where's all might at? Like, isn't he supposed to be in town? And poor all might standing right there in like Jinko jeans form. And he, he, he's feeling upset too. Like he says he feels pathetic because he made a rookie mistake where he let this villain out of his pocket basically. And, yeah, I and, think he says the word pathetic like 40 times in this. Yeah, scene. I mean, he's got to feel horrible because there's this this hero that stands for, you know, peace and, and is like literally the image of hope. Right. And he's in the middle of this scene. Folks don't even know he's there. And they're like, where's All Might? And I don't think Midoriya knows that he's here yet, but no, he still feels so. at fault. He basically is like, even if All Might were here, he would be unable to intervene because he had to expend power saving me earlier. right right exactly so he's just he is just getting he's just dumping on himself oh it's um, horrible and and like all might again goes into feeling worthless and midoriya is saying he feels like he's to blame and all might even goes to the extent of saying he doesn't feel like a real hero anymore 
Mm-hmm. And, and then we get a second where Bakugo breaks free a bit, just enough for Midoriya to recognize it's him. And he, this is where he says, you know, I was looking at you. I think he said, calls him Kachan. At, at, at the, uh, um, I think he calls him Kachan. Yeah, yeah. And he says, you know, Bakugo, you look like you needed help. And Midoriya just runs in. And we got that first hero music. Like that, that music they play in this episode, in this particular moment, is just so like... Oh, it's just so good. I love this 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 sound here because it just immediately sets up this incredible feeling of like heroism. Yeah, and Midoriya in route realizes that he's doing this wild thing. Yeah. And he's, so he's like trying to figure out why he's doing what he's doing and then what he's supposed to do now that he's doing it. Uh, and <laughs> the he, heroes are he, freaking out too. The Death Arms is like, you idiot! <laughs> yeah, but he Midoriya thinks of Kamui's entran- uh, entry in the preemptive, uh, in, in the notebook about the preemptive finding uh, Lacquer Chain Prison and uh, his note read something like he stretches out his arms to make an opponent flinch back and then uses that opening to restrain them. So he interprets that using what he has at his uh, disposal. So he tosses his backpack and he hits the sludge monster, uh, kind of about the face and some of the stuff tumbles out of his backpack. Um, and a piece of like all might merchandise pokes the monster in the eye, which manages to free Bakugo's mouth so that he can breathe. And Midori is trying to dig him out and Kachan here, uh, Bakugo is like, what are you doing here? Like, even yeah. <laughs> in the midst of like absolute crisis, he's still like pissy with the, uh, with Midoriya. Midoriya's just like, my legs just kind of like moved on their own. And uh, he's reflecting on this in the voiceover. He says, I think that there were various reasons, but at that moment, it just looked like he was asking for help. Yeah. Um, he tells Bakugo so the, he couldn't just stand there and watch him die. Yeah. The sludge monster rears back to slap Midoriya, who's absolutely defenseless. And these other heroes try to rush in and save him, but the, and they aren't fast enough, but luckily All Might is. Yeah. All Might's standing there watching the scene go down. And he says that, like, at all costs, he has to do something. And right as he's about to, and right as the sludge monster is about to kill Midoriya, All Might jumps in the way, saves the day. And All Might says he's really pathetic. He's like, I told Midoriya, I told you the traits to make a great champion, but I didn't live up to my own ideals. And he says, pros risk their lives. It's the truth. And this is a true testament to a hero. And then he Detroit smashes this villain into this massive gust of a whirlwind, like right up into the sky. I, I mean, almost like totally obliterating him. He goes and just it kind of does that thing he does earlier where he like dissolves in the wind a little bit. And then rain starts coming down. And like the whole audience at this point is basically just completely impressed because he literally made the weather change with one punch. Yeah, they're like, did he make clouds? Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> and they're like, with his just with his right fist, he changed the weather. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's giving you um, greater, uh, like a greater field of vision on just how powerful he really is. Uh, the heroes uh, collect the scattered sludge uh, and they deliver it to the police and like so many trash bags, I guess, uh, I guess. And Kamui and Death Arms are just giving it to Midoriya for oh, being man, reckless. Are they ever? They're just like, well, are you a moron? <laughs> yeah. But what's great is right next, not far from him, Kachan or Bakugo is being praised. And um, I can't remember. It might have just been some scrub hero that was basically like that was amazing toughness and a great quirk. So once you're a pro, come to my agency. You'll make a great sidekick. And I love it, which too, I'm sure just 
yeah. chaps Bakugo's ass. And you gotta know that that was some D-lister. Like, he didn't get an yeah. intro in the first episode, so he's gotta be a nobody, you know? <laughs> yeah, all those things that Bakugo said was gonna be true of his, his like, extra-slash-sidekick uh, classmates just became true for him oh, out in the streets. Man. And on, like, national news. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Later that day, Bakugo actually approaches Midori and just tells him off. He's like, look, you didn't do anything. You didn't help me. Like, I, you weren't even there, basically. You don't owe... I, he says, I don't owe you anything. And he calls Midoriya worthless. And Midoriya's like, well, man, at least I tried. Like, geez. And, and he says, I guess I'll just get back to giving up on my dreams. Yeah. And he says, it's not like I accomplished or changed anything, but I'm glad. And I just have in my notes um, that All Might would disagree um, with Midoriya's thoughts on that, on, on his... The role that he played in that particular scene. Oh, he does disagree. He immediately pops out of the corner and is like, I am here. And yeah. he says uh, he stands for justice, not just sound bites. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> he he like starts to flex and then just immediately pukes blood everywhere and turns into Jinko Jean's All Might. Uh, but he thanks Midoriya and he says, you know, I want to discuss your question with you. And he he basically explains that the reason he act is because Midoriya inspired him. Just seeing Midoriya run into that the way that he did inspired him to to stand up and do something that maybe he shouldn't have or couldn't have because of his his disability at the moment. And, you know, he says, you know, a quirkless boy saving this life. And he goes on to say heroes have one thing in common. Their bodies often moved before they had a chance to think. And he says today that's what happened to you. And man, it's just such a such a great moment of gratification from All Might to Midoriya in a way that I don't think Midoriya ever would have expected. And he he says, and Midoriya, the narrator, is saying, you know, back then, Mom, the one thing I wanted you to say, the words I needed to hear you say, and All Might takes over and says, young man, you too can become a hero. And Midoriya just breaks down into tears, full-blown tears, immediately crying on the ground, sobbing. And I love that this episode just ends with him saying, and this is the story of how I became the greatest hero. It's very like how I met your mothery. Oh, uh, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so we know that everything that uh, follows this is the story of how he rises to become. Like earlier on in this, ep- uh, I can't remember if it was episode one or episode two, when he's watching the video, he's like, I'm going to be just like that. And here at the end of episode two, um, we do get confirmation that he indeed does achieve that goal. Um, in fact, one of the things that he says kind of introspectively here at the end of this episode is dreams can become a reality. Whereas just a couple of moments before, before All Might came onto the scene, uh, he says, well, now I can think of a realistic future. So there you have it. That's episodes one and two of My Hero Academia, retreaded, as as one might say, by uh, myself and Adam of Almighty Podcast fame, question mark? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think we did a great job of just keeping it to what we knew at the time. Uh, at least we definitely tried to. There may have been a few things alluded, uh, you know, no spoilers directly, I don't think. Uh, but this is an awesome show. So if you're watching episodes one and two and you happen to say, hey, I want to find a podcast that follows this and you found us. Thank you. Welcome to Almighty Podcast again. It's an incredible show. You're in for an awesome ride. I, I think... Gosh, we've been talking about the show for like, what, five years now? We even do a brief stint in a side manga called Vigilantes that takes place, what, roughly a decade before the show. And it's incredible, too. I mean, there's so much goodness in My Hero Academia's world. Yeah, and we're doing this re-record precisely because so many of you guys are finding the Almighty Podcast for the first time. And we don't want our 
our quote unquote first episode, this like cobbled together pilot thing to be your first impression. We wanted something a little bit more representative of where we're at 120 episodes deep into this, uh, this project of ours. Uh, and, and we're, we're ongoing, man. We've got a pretty great backlog that it, you know, covers the smash volumes and the movies. And there's even, you know, episode 100 had some trivia and a lot of audience participation. We do giveaways. Uh, so stay tuned and absolutely find us on Twitter at almighty pod and f- look at the pinned tweet and click on the link, join us in the Discord. Uh, Several people even really have joined in the past couple of weeks, and conversation continues to just increase and increase in there, and that's what we're doing this for. Like, we don't have a Patreon. We don't care to get paid. We just want to hang out and talk to you guys about something that we enjoy. Yeah, and we definitely enjoy My Hero Academia, and we're actually even doing a thing. We've introduced it maybe within the last, like, 20 episodes, but I'll give you a sneak peek, and if you want to participate, hop in the Discord or tweet at Adkins, Uh, but basically it's called Quirkles, where you can submit your own made-up quirk based off of last month's Quirkles answers. They're not Quirkles. What is it called? Um... Wordles. Wordles. Wordle solutions. Thank you. So last month's Wordles solutions, uh, email us or tweet us in the Discord, drop us a line. Hey, here's my quirkle. Take a couple of words from that list, smash them together, make up a quirk, tell us all about it. People are getting so detailed about the quirks that they're making. It is so cool to read all the caveats to these things that people are are introducing, and we discuss them, and we come up with scenarios for them, and it's a lot of fun. So we've got a lot of cool things going on, and we'd be happy to have you along for the ride. But if for some wild reason you're interested in listening to the original episode one, maybe maybe we had some speculation in there that we didn't try to introduce this time because we know what's happened at this point. Go check out episode 100. I think that's the last 10 minutes. We released kind of like a, a rough draft, basically, of what episode one was. Yeah, and I think we're also going to have it in the feed as like episode 1.1 or something like that we're, we're gonna try to make um, something like that work yeah so you'll see something yeah. if you really want to hear it it'll be the next episode but if you don't just skip it and go straight into episode two <laughs> we can totally understand <laughs> yeah and if you enjoy us they'll you know plug into the communities leave us you know an itunes review or a spotify review all those things are great um, but really we're just we're just glad that anybody cares to listen adam and i said from the beginning that we would probably be having these conversations whether anybody was listening or not. And the fact that so many of you guys are not just listening, but are participating and improving the, the, the uh, podcast through your participation, it, it continues to blow our minds. We're, we're humbled uh, by the fact that anybody cares to, to even listen to one episode, let alone uh, our entire backlog. So uh, we hope you stay along for the ride past episode one. Uh, all the way to 120 and beyond. Absolutely. Atkins, where can people find you online, man? Uh, I have a personal Twitter account. That's at L-E-L underscore Smadkins, S-C-H-M-A-D-K-I-N-S. But I never pay attention to that thing. Just follow at Almighty Pod. That's the best place. Um, the, <laughs> exactly. Now, the place, if you actually want to talk with me, would also be the Almighty Podcasts uh, Discord. And if you're looking to find me, I'm more on Instagram than I am on Twitter. I'm at the Real Simso, uh, T H E R E A L S I M S O. I also have a YouTube channel out there. So if you're interested in comics, which I would say my hero pulls a lot from comic book culture, uh, then oh, go yeah. check it out. Uh, I have a lot of blasts doing like CGC reveals, talking comic books, you name it. Uh, so I got I got that going on out there as well. All right. Well, hopefully we will see you in future episodes. See you later.